Welcome to this week's edition of the Speaking Artistically podcast. Each week we talk about arts and entertainment in Edmonton inspired by the weekly Taproot Arts Roundup curated by friend of the podcast, Fonda Mizrush. We are produced by Bottom Line Productions and published by Taproot Edmonton. Hi everyone, I'm Josh. I'm Kate. I'm Katie. And we're Speaking Speaking Artistically. Artistically. Well, welcome to Speaking Artistically, episode number two. Very exciting. It's nice to see you all, (laughs) especially after episode one. Which was very exciting. And then we saw it all over Taproot. And Taproot put it in their newsletter. And they put it in their roundup from this morning. And it's like, oh, wow. Suddenly it's like, wow, this is actually happening. Maybe there's some people out there listening to us. (laughs) There are people listening to us. I listen listen to it each week. (laughs) Mostly I'm I'm just looking for the blemishes. Anyway, there are none. It's such a good podcast. We're going to start with the headline from the... uh, from Fonda's uh, Arts Roundup. It's, it's, it's basically Workshop West Playwrights Theatre. Let's just sum it up that way, because there's a ton of stuff. But really, it's about Heather Inglis, who's the former artistic director of Theatre Yes, who has now given the role of artistic producer, which is a really cool title, mm-hmm. a title we haven't seen before, maybe in other places, but mm-hmm. not here. And she effectively takes over for former artistic director Vern Thiessen, who left on August 31st. And Vern took over that role five years ago. I can't believe it's been five years. And uh, it was interesting because he started there when he uh, graduated from university. He got a play. He started working at Workshop West at the time. Um, It's celebrated 40 years this year in 2019. And we'll get to all of that. But first, Mm -hmm. Heather Inglis. I mean, Mm -hmm. she the work that she's done has... uh, The one that stood out to me the most because she's so good at finding work for unique spaces was the elevator project where they did small plays that didn't last very long you know the ride of an elevator Mm -hmm. and didn't take much because you couldn't get many people in there some were full of actors and some not and but it was about it was commissioned from across the country they all came in and and, and done it but it was interesting work in interesting small spaces that was a really cool project you saw it no (laughs) (laughs) it was one of those i couldn't get into it because it was so small and so full but i i love theater in unusual spaces i think that's a great way to i don't know generate some interesting shows i agree i i i've one of my favorite is environmental theater, and I, I haven't seen enough of it. And I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, it happens in town, uh, but it, it sometimes it's too bloody cold to go outside <laughs> and do yeah. it. Um, but when you can go outside and perform a Midsummer Night's Dream, not on it, like not just on a stage mm-hmm. in Horlack Park, although that that's good, and they mm-hmm. do a good job over at Free Will. God bless you for Free Will. Um, it is. It's the going out into the forest, literally yes. out into the forest yes. and yes. following little... Uh, um, forest nymphs. Or, forest yeah, forest yeah, yeah, nymphs yeah. around. Like the Flying Canoe Festival mm. or like Found Festival, right? Like that's that's what they're doing all around the city. I just love that yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's envir- environmental theater, guerrilla theater, where you're sitting in a restaurant and a bunch of people are sitting at a table and suddenly they start yelling <laughs> at each other. <laughs> And suddenly you're like, what? And then they get up and at the very end say, thank you. This was a performance. Remember we were trying when to make flash a point. mobs were really trendy and everybody was doing flash mobs? Flash mobs <laughs> was just a modern interpretation of, of, of guerrilla environmental theater. Yeah. We should bring it back. Yeah, let's bring back flash let's, mobs. Let's bring yeah. back the flash mob. Well, maybe maybe Heather, we can talk to Heather about doing more flash Absolutely. Mobs. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be interesting because I look forward to seeing what she can do in, well, essentially mm-hmm. regular spaces. 
they do a lot of work out of the uh, ATP Financial Arts Barns, and uh, which is where uh, Nicole Miller's play ended this past weekend, mm-hmm. The Ballad of Peachtree Rose. And uh, again, a new play that opens up the, the season. I mean, it makes sense that Heather would take over because she's so committed to doing new work, new Canadian work. And when Jerry Potter started Workshop West 40 years ago, he was committed to doing Canadian work. And Liz Nichols had written a lot about how nobody was doing Canadian work anywhere. And so hmm. it made a lot of sense at that time in town to have it. And then even Jerry himself said as things as it progressed more in town for more writers, then he was able to produce more local writing Making It made total sense for me, too, to have Vernon there. He's produced a number of great plays. Shakespeare's Will, when I was working with him at the Citadel, uh, which has been all over the place. Apple, when uh, before uh, I got to know him, which has been produced all over the place. And so he's committed to creating these mm-hmm. new Canadian plays. And local, because he believes, as many people do, that there's a lot of great local playwrights here in town. Mm-hmm. And other people are doing it, too. One one point that I thought was really interesting about uh, the the roundup this week was that uh, Fonda was said that you know you can still count the number of of female leaders in theater companies on one hand in the city, and that there's been leaps and bounds you know within the last decade or however long you want to look at, but you know you can still look around at our at the community and say okay well now that makes it five women that are <laughs> sort of at the helm. Uh, and I just thought it was really interesting because we did bring this up last week hmm. in episode one. <laughs> uh, so go listen to go that. Go back and listen to it. <laughs> um, because, you know, we sort of posed the question whether that was something that we were seeing as a trend or whether this was something that this was like the way of the future. And uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, just a week later that that topic is being brought back up and, and it just sort of shows that, it's going to be more and more, uh, there's going to be more and more discussion about it, I think, coming up in the future as more, as we see more women taking those uh, positions in theater companies yeah. and companies in general, not just theater, dance, music, everything. Yeah. And not you're right. Not just mm-hmm. theater, but arts and entertainment mm-hmm. in, in, in general. And we see that, I mean, the um, plays, like you said, from episode one, um, but there's a uh, theater open. There's um, Madame Catherine mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the at Uni Theatre uh, that's opening next week, and it's being it was written by a woman. Um, there's six that's on right now, of course, which we talked about in the last episode, running at the Citadel, and so the, and now we have Heather, a, a female artistic producer, taking over a, a, a theater company who is dedicated to producing new. Canadian work mm-hmm. and not just new but but Canadian work mm-hmm. and and has as a their season opener a brand new play written by a local female playwright it's not a trend as you guys said mm-hmm. it's here to stay and mm-hmm. I think that that is outstanding uh, Marion Brandt the phenomenal general manager of, of Workshop West Playwrights Theatre looks like she's outgoing so it sounds like there's a lot of change going on over at Workshop West so that's Vern and Marion are both Heading out and and Heather's coming in, which is uh, sounds like it's what makes sense that she's got an artistic mm-hmm. producer role. She probably will take on more, mm-hmm. um, uh, more of more responsibility, and maybe one day we could we could talk to her. She'll come and join us on the Speaking Artistically podcast. Heather, if you're listening, you're always welcome. There's a chair <laughs> right here for you. Come and join us right. and talk about the awesome stuff that you're gonna you're gonna do over there at uh, Workshop West Playwright Theatre. Um, some sad news. Uh, John Morell, 
the playwright uh, passed away in uh, Calgary at the age of 74 from a long battle of leukemia. Um, anyway, so we're talking about um, one of his seminal works, Waiting for the Parade, and how it was, um, it was written in 1975, f- powerful mm-hmm. female characters, uh, women on the home front in Calgary during World War II. Uh, it was something that uh, I feel was unique at the time, especially with what we we're talking about now with, with powerful characters and plays and women running arts organizations and writing great stories. I think he was ahead of his time with that kind of thing. And um, it, I haven't seen it produced in some time, but maybe it's time to rethink bringing back 1975's Waiting for the Parade. That would be really interesting, actually. How so? I, well, I, well, like you said, it's <laughs> it's it's a it, it's timely, or it could be seen as being timely mm-hmm. again. And maybe it's not. I, I rem- studied Waiting for the Parade back when I was doing my undergrad in theater. I admittedly don't remember a ton about it, other than it's from... It's about World War II, so it, it'd be interesting to see if you could take the same story and maybe take it into a modern context. And I know there's a lot of theater companies that are doing that type of work, yeah. but um, I and I honestly can't remember if, if it would work in a different context. But um, may, and maybe it doesn't have to. I don't remember a ton about that show. <laughs> right, right. I, well, I've you never, never saw the show. You just read I never the play. saw it. I just read the play, and I, I've never been super. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that enjoy reading plays and I was just never one of them so yeah. you were kind of doing it to get through your undergrad and I love <laughs> hope for the best reading, I love reading do you? plays yeah, I do. what do you I, love about reading plays what do I love about reading plays yeah. I find that I, just like any, with reading any book you can envision how mm. it's going to look while you're doing it I mean at, and then granted you get to see it and then it's mm-hmm. quite not what you anticipated but I think that's the case with anything if you read Lord of the Rings and then you go see Lord of the Rings movie you're probably going to be like oh my God, I never imagined it looked sure, like that. Or sure. you're like, oh my God, I never imagined it looked like that. It's all about the inflection. Sure. The, but, <laughs> but but the but reading plays and and, and it's interesting as mm-hmm. a saying from reading plays. I love attending uh, the first reads of of plays. I I will um, I won't follow along when I get a copy if I'm at the table with one of our clients mm-hmm. like if Teatro's doing something for reading New Stuart Lemoyne or if uh, Shadows invited us and we're reading. Or, or, or network, or sorry, um, uh, Northern Light Theater. Then we'll. I won't look at the script. I'll I'll listen to everybody talking right. because they're literally just sitting there, reading, and it's quite a different experience than than when you see them on stage mm-hmm. because there's action and there's movement and there's set and there's lighting and there's music. There's something that's so compelling about everyone just mm-hmm. reading it at the table, which is also totally different than you reading it yourself and all the voice and like trying to distinguish between um the characters the voice. Di- yeah. different characters and, yeah. and yeah because yeah. yeah, you, know. you make up the voices in your head yeah. just like you're when you're reading a book yeah i would you know i would blame that experience on when you're in university and like the first play that they make you read is Chekhov, and then you have to <laughs> i love Chekhov. <laughs> I, I, I know you love Chekhov, but like you know when you're introducing people to like reading plays and then they're like here's 27 Russian uh, names for you to memorize. <laughs> Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the easiest experience. Just stick to death of a salesman or something. Uh, Philomena. So after after John was a... Uh, he, he spent decades as a playwright. He decided he decided that in 2003 he was going to tackle opera, one of his, his, uh, his big loves, and he created Philomena. And it was produced by Calgary Opera in 2003. 
and it came to Edmonton mm-hmm. soon after that. In fact, Bottom Line Productions worked on that show with Edmonton Opera. And it was, I don't see much opera. And we don't talk about very much on the podcast. Granted, it's only two episodes, but we will talk about more opera more often. Don't worry, Edmonton Opera, we'll talk about you. Um, I would talk about opera. It just, there hasn't really been any. You love opera? I like going to the opera. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good to know. Hey, Katie will be the resident opera expert. Uh. <laughs> did, you, did you ever get a chance to see Philomena when it was no. around? No. It blew me away. Like for someone who doesn't see very much mm-hmm. opera. And I mean, I love, I love the music from opera, but... Um, as a theater person, I love people moving around, especially musical theater. And the stand and deliver stuff can be compelling, but I, I find it hard sometimes to really focus on it. And I found that Philomena shattered some of those uh-huh. norms, and it and it was it was theatrical more so than an opera. I felt would usually be sure even more theatrical. Well, even I, more theatrical. That's what I wow. like about opera. Is I think it's the most theatrical thing there is it's like do tell yeah i think it's like this especially with like a classical opera the the old stories are so ridiculous and i i love that about it so you get this like gigantic (laughs) set and all these like elaborate costumes Mm -hmm. a huge cast and it's just like everybody's you know mad at their lover and like there's a reason they called soap operas soap operas because the stories are so ridiculous and that's my favorite part of it oh that is so (laughs) cool okay well you've now compelled me to look at opera in a different light simply Mm -hmm. from this podcast and i hope that other people see opera in a new light as well and uh We'll have to invite some opera people over there. Emma's opera, there's a chair right over here for you. You're welcome <laughs> to join us. For everyone. There's chairs yeah. for everybody. Yeah. There, there really is. Anyway, uh, John Morell, you will be you will be missed, and um, I'm hoping that we'll get to see more of John's work in our Edmonton theaters as we as as seasons start to be developed. Let's talk about music in Edmonton. Uh, sure. Uh, I was also reading the music roundup this week, uh, and it mentioned that Holger Peterson, who is the blues host at uh, both CKUA and CBC, is celebrating 50 years of that. Wow. Oh, my God. Can you imagine doing a 50 job years? for 50 years? <laughs> 50 years? Yeah. So that's kind of like... Wow. That's Good for you. Congratulations. Congratulations. That deserves a, a small round of applause. Yes. <laughs> well done. Holger. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, as part of that, he's been honored by the, uh, uh, he's been inducted into the Folk DJ Hall of Fame, um, which is super deserving because, again, if you can do something like that for so long and be so well-known and so respected, um, yeah, he deserves yeah. all those accolades. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of the big news in music this week, I think. I think um, that's I think according that's, to the music roundup. I think that's huge news. Yeah, right. That's huge news. The um, now he has so his show is on CKUA. It's called Natural Blues. He's it? he's got two of them. Two shows. Yeah, there's the Saturday Night Blues mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. CBC and Natural Blues on CKUA. Oh my God, he works yeah. in both. Yeah, yeah, on both stations. Yeah. He, uh, I've met him a few times. He seems always larger than life when mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. him, and I and I probably because I only know him from listening to him. But man, does he know stuff! And mm-hmm. he, so much knowledge. He, he's yeah. he's got a background as a producer. I understand he's uh, made he, some he, stuff. He also runs Stony Plain Records. Wow. Yeah. And that's been around for for a while quite also. Time. Yeah. God, the guy is the guy is truly a mover yeah. and shaker in the music industry. Definitely. In not only Edmonton but probably all of yeah. Canada. Blues, jazz. I know that there are jazz purists mm-hmm. who say blues aren't jazz, 
but blues can be a part of jazz. I yeah. I think that uh, we do a lot of work with by PLP with jazz with um, Yardbird Suite and with uh, the in the TV Edmonton International Jazz Festival. Uh, but we should be doing more blues stuff because man, mm. oh man, some blues. Yeah, yeah. The lines blur. Yeah, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. They, do. they do. I think they do. Do you ever, do you listen to any blues? Kate? Do I listen to any blues? I would say I would listen to. Artists that could be considered bluesy, but probably a blues purist would say that's pop music. Ah, true. You know, but like, I think that I think Blue Rodeo is blues. Totally, they could be considered blues. Oh, like I'm so thinking much. of people like, um, like someone like Leon Bridges has like cool. a very like bluesy like vibe. Yes, soul bluesy. Yeah, soul blues. Yeah. But I would I would guess that you know a, a real purist would say that's not blues. But you know. There's, like Katie said, lines blur mm-hmm. and genres blend, and that's, that's what true. makes new music. If either Jazz of, and blues. Yeah. Either of you should listen to Yola, who is excellent. Yola, She's okay. like a poppy, bluesy artist. But uh, her recent quote was that, uh, screw genre, I'm over it. Oh. Which I love, because <laughs> that's how I feel, too. Like, Whoa, you can't, what a great quote. You can't find the lines between genre anymore anyway. No, so, you know what? So in don't fact, worry about it. In fact, screw, screw genre. Any blues <laughs> purists out there, there's a seat over here for you. <laughs> Come on the podcast and we'll talk about pure pure music, pure, yeah. pure jazz, pure blues, and we will get into um, uh, music more often as we talk about uh, different people in town who who produce great music, like the TD International Jazz Festival and mm-hmm. Yardbird Suite and Festival oh, Place. Oh yeah, well, it's Greater Edmonton. The Edmonton Screen Media Fund also in the Tap Roundup today. $4 million for TV, film, video games, and virtual reality. reality. Okay, you know what? Virtual reality is blowing my mind, but yet I haven't seen it catch on because I keep mm. waiting for the holodeck from Star Trek, and Kate's looking at me like, Like, I that? totally know what that means. What are, <laughs> he says, I know those letters, but I don't know what those words are. Okay, Star Trek. TV I know show. Star Trek. Okay, you know Star Trek. But the holodeck, the holodeck was a special room in the ho- in the on the ship yeah. where you could go for, for don't laugh, Sorry. it's true, it's really happening. You're so excited. But the holodeck is where you could go to be immersed in a three-dimensional world, like smells, mm-hmm. sights, everything, and they... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super... No, keep going, Josh. And I'm super interested. Really interested. <laughs> well, anyway, so the big ones were, of course, Data and Picard would go in and be Sherlock Holmes and and uh, Watson. But there was other incidences where the holodeck, they... they um, at one point, Moriarty mm-hmm. became self-aware... Yeah. Oh, I, like, I take like it from your. I take self, it from your. As as in not self aware no, before. No, he wasn't because he was a hologram. Oh, I see. he became self aware and he knew, he knew that he was a hologram. I can tell by your stunned silence that you're really into this concept. No, but you know what that makes me think of. If I can go off on a little tangent, is <laughs> <laughs> we do that here. Is uh, the that show on Netflix with Paul Rudd. Learning to live with or living with yourself, mm-hmm. and that's kind of—I mean—it's about cloning. Yes. But essentially, what happens in that situation is he's been cloned, and then the clone realizes that he's a clone, and he's become self-aware, and his whole sort of like universe is turned over. Wow. So, Maybe we need to see this four million go into virtual reality to create self-aware holograms. Virtual. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, All right. You know what? This no. is great. No, this is great. Um, <laughs> Josh Miller, who works with the uh, Edmonton Screen Media, 
he uh, this is uh, he he was talking about this in the journal, and the um, the mayor himself was mm-hmm. on hand for this announcement. It's a lot of funding that is uh, the the bulk of it comes from the city, and Don himself said that our mayor Don said that he believes that these are the kinds of things that the city should be supporting, and uh, and I don't disagree. I think that. I think that some funding from municipalities and from the federal, I don't, and from government mm-hmm. to help industries move forward. Eventually, they take that and they run with it. But to give them the head start on it, and we bottom line productions, we work with uh, Avatar Media. Um, we work with Andrew Shalachuk. Mm-hmm. We like to work with Fava. We believe with uh, that a number of those those organizations and those people are doing some great work. They're employing people in town and they're making things that are seen all over the world that help bring new um, film and TV and and holograms and video (laughs) Video games games to back to Edmonton. Um, I think, I remember we were working so hard years and years ago with Edmonton Screen to try to sell us as an alternative to Chicago or New York right. and, and mm-hmm. then use the tax funds that you can get in, in Vancouver and Winnipeg. But I think if what, 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 I think where it's gone to, where I feel like people are embracing the fact that it is Edmonton. We're not Chicago. Uh-huh. We're not New York. We're not a stand-in for it. But we can still tell great stories uh-huh. with great people working behind the camera, working in front of the camera, um, that help... Uh, promote what the Edmonton story really is. And I believe that there are filmmakers in town, just like mm-hmm. there are great playwrights, talking about the Edmonton story, that these filmmakers are also talking about the Edmonton mm-hmm. story. Well, one thing that kind of comes to my mind is that there is sort of a culture of, uh, like, startup, right? Startup Edmonton and Absolutely. startup businesses and entrepreneurship yeah. and tech. And so it's interesting that, you know, Edmonton hasn't gone the way of mm-hmm. trying to sell themselves as a Chicago or a New York or something yep. like that and sort of be... Um, like a tech hub. Yeah, yeah, and instead is maybe going a little bit more that tech route, yeah. you know? And I think, like, BioWare, yeah. for instance, is one of the good examples of that, right? To have some th- some huge company... Video game creation. Yeah. Video game creation come out of Edmonton mm-hmm. and be distributed worldwide. And they use local artists. And they use local yeah. artists, yeah. right? So, Commander Shepard. Yeah. Mark Mayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, my husband's a big video game fan. And when I found out that that was made in Edmonton, like yeah. that was very, very impressive. Yeah, one, no? of, yeah, one of my favorite uh, actresses, singers, playwrights, Jocelyn Alf writes for Bioware as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's a lot of, uh, it, they're using great people mm-hmm. and those stories are being told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like with, with great video games, they're very artistic and oh impressive. Gosh, and yes. the stories are incredible oh, and great. creative yeah. and... So, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing it. And it, I think it's really great. People are sort of embracing that um, as part of media and as part of tech and are not just saying like, oh, no, that's that's tech um, and this is media and art and this needs to be kept separate. Because, again, as Katie just said, screw genre. Well said. Screw genre. Well, speaking municipally, I'm sure you're listening. And uh, if you want us to come on your show and talk about funding from the city for the screen for screen media... Edmonton Screen Media Fund, then we are happy to have... There's a chair right here for you, speaking municipally, <laughs> but we, we, we can also come to see you. We, uh, let's move on to the one thing that we're all looking forward to, which is becoming a favorite of the podcast listeners, mm-hmm. the one thing. Um, we're, let's, we're going to talk about the one thing we're excited about seeing or hearing in our arts and entertainment community. I am super excited about seeing Broadway Across Canada's Waitress. Mm-hmm. It's going to feature... Two local actresses in Edmonton, 
and uh, they're just they did a they did an audition. They came out. They they're playing the daughter of the lead character. It's it's Lulu is the name of the daughter. Katie, you were there too for the yeah, auditions. I saw some of those auditions. They're so cute. They're they're four and five years old, and uh, they're in the arts roundup as well. And they're super excited to be a part of it. They're going to work really hard. Um, anyway, Waitress is here starting the 26th. Awesome. Uh, so I am um, admittedly, I really love Christmas. And I know that Christmas is, you know, six weeks, seven weeks out. But now's the time of year when you can take part in all the uh, Christmas events and feel no shame about it. It so starts to be acceptable. It starts to be acceptable. For people like Kate. Before it wasn't acceptable. Katie does not like Christmas. No. <laughs> Baba um, Humbug, I didn't know you were a Scrooge. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Great segue, Josh, because my pick <laughs> is that I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing uh, Christmas Carol at the Citadel. And it is a brand new version after doing the Tom Wood version for 19 years. Oh my gosh, the, yeah. And uh, so it'll be really great to see how they've, the new version and how they've revamped it and yeah, looking Written forward to locally. it. locally. Yes. Local people, once again, fantastic. Uh, I couldn't pick one thing, so I picked two things <gasps> this week. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Um, but I am very excited about the Edmonton Potter's Guild show and sale this weekend. Really? Yes. I go every year with my mom. It's a little tradition. Wow. Uh, and I love to see uh, such a variety mm-hmm. of... I love pottery. I think it's great. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to go to that. It was in the Roundup, the pot. It was in the r- Roundup as well. Um, but I go every year. Uh, and I'm also excited that the Starlight Room, Edmonton Music Venue, is celebrating 30 years as the Starlight Room. Wow. 30 years? Oh, my uh, gosh. This weekend. So they have, a, they have a big concert and sort of a... Like a mini Starlight Room festival plan to celebrate their 30th. Wow. Congratulations, Starlight Room. That's what we're on to watch. Lots of milestones this week. Lots of milestones. This is great. Well, Speaking Artistically is produced by Bottom Line Productions and published by Taproot Edmonton. You can find links to everything we mentioned on the show notes at speakingartistically.taprootedmonton.ca. You can also stay up to date on everything that's happening by subscribing to the Arts Roundup at taprootedmonton.ca. Speaking Artistically can be found everywhere podcasts are available. While you're there, leave us a rating and review. You can also get in touch with us on our social handle at Bottom Line Pro. Until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Kate. I'm Katie. And we're Speaking Speaking Artistically. Artistically.